and welcome to NZGG. And today is part one of our ridiculous series of Harry Potter movie reviews, beginning with The Philosopher's Stone. My name is Regan, and with me, as always, is Tom. Hey. How you doing? Also, Sorcerer's Stone for no. our American listeners. Yeah. Well, how did that come about? Was it originally Sorcerer's Stone? Or in- no, so the book was Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. And then whoever was publishing it in the States thought, nope. That's way too sophisticated. That's sounding. way too open-minded. No, it's not open-minded. It's just philosophy. Yeah, I guess. But that's not what the philosopher's stone has anything to do with. Yeah, but I'm just okay. Anyway, it creates the elixir of life. Yeah. Okay. But more on that later. Yeah. Um, this is our part one of our Harry Potter special. So far, this is ridiculous, right? Four hundred million books have been sold between all eight of the books right there's seven books seven books that's right there's eight movies yeah um and so far the brand is worth 25 billion dollars oh yeah 25 billion dollars so in total the harry potter movies have grossed so far 6.5 billion dollars so it's a lot of money jk is rolling in cash basically oh yeah get it nice um but i wanted to start with a question though tom what is Harry Potter to you? He is a boy with glasses. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Was I right? Yes. Uh, so Harry Potter to me is possibly my favorite series of books. Mm-hmm. It's definitely my most read series of yes. books by a huge margin. Mm-hmm. I've read them several times over each. Mm-hmm. Um, I was... When did I start? I started reading them between Azkaban and Goblet of Fire. Right. Um, when we were about 13, I think. Yeah. We grew up kind of with Harry, as and in we were about his age as we grew up, which was so cool. Daniel Radcliffe, actually, interesting enough, I looked this up when I, um, I watched The Philosopher's Stone again, and he is the same age when he's acting in that film. We're the same age as him. Yeah. Yeah, I was yep. just like, because you see them like all small and tiny and stuff, and yep. you're like, oh wow, that's super cute. And like, yeah. that was us. Yeah, like, timing wise, it was a perfect thing to grow up with. And yeah. So for me, it's a very much loved series, and yeah. I, yeah, yeah, very close, close to the heart. That's awesome. What about yourself? Um, I've never been much of a huge reader, but I remember obviously. My- uh, but my mum pushed me to um, read the first Harry Potter book, and I loved it. I think I was probably one of millions of children screwing up Hermione's name constantly. Oh, what did you call her? Himini. Himini? Yeah. That's the worst one I've ever heard. Yeah. No, I called her Hermie One. <laughs> <laughs> so I really can't talk. Hermie One. Okay. Is her sister Hermie Two? Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, and so I read the first book, and I really, really enjoyed it, and I read the second one, because it was about the same size, and then I think The Prisoner of Azkaban came out, and I was like, this is like a brick, you know, and they yeah. and they got bigger as well. Well, actually, the th- it was one, two, three were comparable, Yeah, and then Goblet of Fire was just blew everyone's mind. I think it was yeah. about twice the sizes, yeah. um, the third book. It was crazy. Um, and so... I kind of stopped there, but at that stage, when the Prisoner of Azkaban book had come out, they'd released the first movie. Yeah, um, I think it was. Yeah, that, that's the time difference between the movies and the books. Yeah, that's right. And um, and I just like fell in love with the movie. You know, it kind of brought to life what I'd struggled to read within the books. I'm not a very good reader, and visually, it was everything I saw in my head as well. So, mm. you know, it's. It's always one of these worlds as well. I kind of, I think I put this question to you before. What world would you rather live in? The Harry Potter world or the Lord of the Rings world? Oh, easily Harry Potter. Same for me, you know, and I'm a massive Lord of the Rings fan. So, I mean, it's just such an amazing world and there's so much lore behind it and there's so much amazing stuff in it. Just taking the small things in life and putting them into the Harry Potter world instantly makes them amazing. It is, yeah. She's created something fantastic that... If, to be something like this world that she's created to be done again, it would. It, I don't know if it would ever happen. It's just that phenomenal. Yeah, it's definitely one of those moments that that we'll look back on on our life and talk to our kids about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, which is really cool. And of course, you can get your kids into it as well with the books and the movies, yeah. which is going to be super cool to be able to talk with them and sit down and watch yeah. it with them. Family friendly fun. Exactly. Um. So we'll um crack on shall we talk yeah. about it um philosopher's stone sorcerer's stone 
Yeah. Um, one, movie one. So starting off in Private Drive, we're having Dumbledore dropping Harry off at the Dursleys. The main thing, which I always do whenever I see Dumbledore for the first time, is think, ah, oh, he's so old. <laughs> Richard Harris. Sir Richard Harris, yeah. So I did a bit of research into this. At the time, he was offered the movie three times and turned it down three times because at that stage he was 71 years old. Right. And he actually said to the people that were offering it to him, why would I want to spend the rest of my life playing, you know, the same character? Because if you sign on for the first film, you're signing on for all of them. If they were made, basically. It was in the contract. But it was not until his niece, who had read the books and fell in love with them, said, you know, you have to do it. You know, (laughs) you have to play him. So, of course, he did. And there's nothing wrong with him. I just much prefer Michael Gambon's version of him. Interesting. So my favourite Dumbledore would be somewhere in between Gambon yep. and Richard Harris. Yep. I that like, would be the, the perfect balance. Yeah, I like the flamboyant side of Gambon. He brings like a real energy to the role, which yes. I think was kind of lacking with Harris. Yeah. But at the same time, Harris is very true to Dumbledore's quiet, relaxed demeanour. Yeah, he's um, the, the calm, collected Dumbledore in the early books hmm. he's perfect as that and yeah. then gambon is his fierce side that you know you, you hear him described as having this energy surrounding him this powerful force yeah. that's what gambon does well so it kind of worked out all right that sir richard harris was there at the start hmm. and then gambon took over because they they suit those different phases of dumbledore and i don't ever see it as sir richard harris dying and someone else taking over it's just i think that the Dumbledore's played so well that it just kind of flows through and I don't really notice a difference. Nah, they're both pretty good. Yeah. Um, now, I have a point on the opening. Yeah. In the book, they have a fantastic chapter one, mm-hmm. which is Vernon Dursley. Do you right. remember that from the book? Not particularly. So the book does not start where the movie does. It starts with Vernon Dursley going about his day Yeah. back when Voldemort just died. I think I was talking to my um, fiance about this because she's a massive Harry Potter fan, and she said that in the book itself, um, Vernon Dursley notices a lot of witches yes. and wizards walking around the yeah. streets. Well, he doesn't know at the time they're witches and wizards, but a lot of strange people celebrating. Yep, um, and that was celebrating the death of Voldemort. Yeah, so that was you know eleven years prior to Harry's story starting. So that chapter is like a prequel, and it's really interesting. But I can. Fully see why they did not start with that in the movie. Yeah, there's a lot of details that are in the book, like because I'm listening to the audiobooks at the moment, so I'm getting it's it's fantastic hearing Stephen Fry one read them out to you. Yeah, they're great in, in bed. You know, it sends me to sleep, and also just getting more of the detail of everything else and a lot more cooler stuff that doesn't have to be in the movies because it leads doesn't really lead towards Harry Potter's storyline, but it's yeah. still really really cool. Yeah, and so. It would be cool if there was like an extended scene of that. I would love to have actually have seen that. Yeah, it would have been good. Um, but again, I can see why they started off on a, on Dumbledore and stuff. It, it makes a better opening for yep. a film, especially for an opening for a whole big franchise like that. Yeah, and um, one thing about that opening scene as well, um, we get introduced to McGonagall, played by Maggie Smith, um, and I'd have to say she's probably, you know, along with Sirius Black, my favorite character i was gonna say i friggin love maggie smith she yeah. is just so good and yeah. she's one of the few characters where i think she is better than my imagination for mcgonagall yeah now after seeing the movies and rereading the books i imagine her mm. which is a high compliment because to, mm. to overpower the the image that my brain had made originally yeah. is quite a feat so it's that perfect combination of loving a character and loving an actress because i mean the only other person for me is um serious gary oldman you know he's one of my favorite actors and yeah. so you know that marriage between actor and and you know the person that they're playing is really yeah. really cool you know what's funny speaking of serious black yeah in that opening scene hagrid comes down in the um, motorcycle to um deliver harry hmm. now in the book he actually says I borrowed the motorbike from young Sirius Black. Ah, which I think is I remember such that. Great foreshadowing to Sirius's involvement with Lily and James's death. Yeah. Um, and they cut that out of the movie. It's a shame, and it's actually one of the the kind of negative things from making these um, books into movies is that you lose a lot of that fantastic foreshadowing mm. that J.K. Rowling put in these books. Yeah. Um, 
I actually, Again, you can kind of see why it's kind of not that necessary, but it's so cool after knowing all that, that happened with Sirius Black and uh, James and Lily's death and going back and seeing that, you're like, oh, yeah. she nailed it. Even if they didn't say Sirius Black, I borrowed it off one of James's friends. Yeah. People that read the book will be like, oh, we yeah. know who that is, you know? Yeah. It's one of those cool kind of like subtle hints, yeah. the Easter egg type thing. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a great intro to the film. Really powerful music. We first get to hear John Williams' immortal score for this, you know? Incredible. I, yeah, I, I can't really... I can't not listen to it and not get goosebumps every time I hear it. Um, and as a melody and, and as the, as many notes as there are, it's so simple, but just so oh. effective. It's just John so immortalized now. Is the master of like simple, but effective melodies and Harry Potter is definitely no exception. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely it's one perfect of perfect for his, for JK's world. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, moving forward in the movie, we get to the scene with the, um, with the vanishing glass when they go to the yes. reptile house. Yep. Um, it's for i mean what i why i kind of picked out this scene and, and made a note on it was was that uncle vernon for one taking harry to the reptile house and saying any funny business yeah. you know like you know and it's kind i i when i rewatched it recently what came to mind was that had stuff happened before this with harry where like little magic things had happened and yes. and uncle vernon is being like you know, no funny business because you don't have yeah. to see any of that. In the book, it's described. Is Harry it? talks about how he got his hair cut terribly by um, Aunt Petunia. And it grew back. And the next day has grown back. He was being chased by some bullies at school. And then inexplicably, he's on the roof. That's <laughs> so, right. Yeah, yes, yeah. Stuff had happened. Yeah, yeah. Because I saw that and I thought, well, you know, had something happened, but I didn't. I forgot about that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Uncle Vernon, just a really, really cool character, and also just really well played as well. And Aunt Petunia, I think it's one of my favourite scenes of her is when Dudley gets stuck behind the glass. Yeah. And and he's banging on the glass, and she just runs up to the glass with this horrifying scream, yeah. and like my dad will kill me. Yeah. You know? I like I like the Dursleys. They're well cast. Yeah, um, not uh, Dudley isn't how I pictured him, but I think the he's guy supposed to be blonde him. for one. Well, yeah, they they took some liberties with hair color and eye color in Harry Potter yeah. in the casting. So yeah, most notably Harry's eyes are not even green, but that's fine. Um, um yeah, so Vernon and, and Petunia are great, but I don't know about Dudley. He's he's alright. Yeah, I feel like he's just there just to be there. You know, he's not meant to progress the story along any further. Yeah. Um, we'll probably touch on this in one of our much later podcasts, but I know that Dudley has... Like, there's an extended scene which was cut from the film in terms of his interaction with Harry Potter. You're in, talking about the Harry Potter 7 now, right? Yeah, definitely yeah. Hallows, yeah. yeah. Which I think is really, really cool in the fact that they actually filmed it to try and give the character more weight. Yeah. But I can see why they would leave something out like that because, as you say, he's kind of just a, a nothing character in the movies. He, he's just there to be a dick, He's basically. much more um, developed in the books. And it's a shame that mm. the movie's basically cut. Like, the actor didn't have anything to work with. He was very one-dimensional in the movies. Yeah. Um, which is a shame. Yeah. You're a wizard, Harry. I think, you know, this Hagrid. is... Yeah, Hagrid is... Robbie Coltrane. Yeah. Fantastic. It's funny because when I first saw this Harry Potter film, I had no idea who he was. For me, he was just Hagrid because that's how good he is at yeah. playing Hagrid, right? And um, then I saw him later in Goldeneye. He's in, like, James Bond, Goldeneye. He? he plays, like, this Russian villain guy. <laughs> and it's it's just hilarious seeing him, like, with no beard, no big bushy hair, you know. Yeah. But yeah, um, another fantastic character. And we start to learn more about um, Harry and, you know, Harry's past, basically, finding out about what happened to his parents. We yes. find out about the first time we hear about Voldemort. Yeah. And that scene for me, I know it was a long time ago and, you know, they they did what they could, but it just kind of didn't really strike the same sort of fear that Voldemort did within the later films, hood up sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, it's um, it's an introduction to the whole story. So she keeps a light from the yeah. beginning, and then there's more room to learn things and learn how evil he was later on. Yeah. What for me in that scene was that I didn't like was in the book, Hagrid reacts so incredulously to the news that Harry doesn't know anything. He's so angry, yeah. and they they kind of cut it. 
he he finds out that uh, the the Dursleys haven't told Harry what he is, and all he says is, "Oh, well, you're a wizard, Harry." <laughs> yeah, you're a wizard. Harry. But he's so pissed off in the book, and in, fair enough. Yeah, a car crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of glazed over a little bit, and then it's just you're a wizard, Harry. And I know that line's built up a lot more in the books. Yeah, oh yeah, which would give it a lot more substance. But I can see what I mean. This film has to pack a lot into it just to try and establish it, like yes. a universe, characters. Yeah. You know, like even you- with cutting all that they did. It's a really long movie still. Two and a half hours. Yeah. I didn't realise until I went back and watched Neither it. Neither did like, I. Far out. So I movie. can imagine there's a lot they had to cut. Yeah. Well, after that, when Harry eventually goes with um, Hagrid to meet Professor Quirrell for the first mm. time. One thing, I mean, I've got nothing wrong with Professor Quirrell, but one thing that I noticed with all the people that were in the bar, and one of my main complaints was that a lot of the people are dressed really witchy and really wizardy, you know. I know they're described in the book as being like that. Like, there's a massive, like, beautiful introduction about Dumbledore and the way he looks. Oh, yeah. And and they, and they you know, give him a costume that looks like that. But in the later films, um, a lot of it is about, you know, you see Harry, Hermione, and Ron all dressed in just normal clothes. Most people are dressed in normal clothing. You know, they're just trying to blend in. I kind of saw this as, and like, another world that, that kind of, like, coexisted with our world. Yeah, it's an interesting point because even in the books... JK's a, a bit inconsistent with what wizards actually wear. Mm. It, it's often confusing. Are they actually always in robes and brightly coloured things, or half yeah. the time they're in seem to be in muggle clothes? So the way, like, the more I thought about it, the way I saw it was that it's kind of like like older people that you see these days. You know, you'll still have your old man there whenever he goes out he puts on you know a suit with, <laughs> yeah. a, with a tie suit you know? for uh to get on an airplane yeah he basically dresses up for an airplane ride yeah and there's the old ladies that still always wear the hats so i kind of see it like that there's, yeah. there's um a whole lot of old witches and wizards that still and you know here to what they what they yeah, wear. Yeah. you know they, they still like to look like that but the wizarding world had moved on since then and they <laughs> yeah. realized that they had to be like you know they had to move with modern culture yeah and hey, so they dress normally it's um it's fashion cycles same yeah. same in the wizarding world <laughs> yeah i remember when i was younger and i got my first wizarding hair yeah you yeah. know like i look like a dick now if i wore that <laughs> um, and yet you still do we're moving on to diagon alley in bolt 713 oh yes first glimpse of the wizarding world for harry and the music kind of builds to that moment and then you see diagon alley yeah, a whole mess so of cool. set. Yeah, a whole lot of people just like doing normal wizarding stuff that Harry Potter has no idea what's going on. Yeah. And it's just because the the really great thing about Harry Potter is that you are Harry Potter, effectively, because mm. you have no idea about this world, you know. That's right. It's been there the whole time, you've just never seen it. And so, oh, and so his reactions are very similar to what our reactions are as well. Yeah, it's why that franchise i think is so easily followed by you you get harry's sense of wonderment as you read which is great yeah one of the notes that i put down here actually was that what i love about this film is that it never actually starts with full-on magic it's you are slowly introduced to more and more magic you know you know you're starting off with just vanishing glass you know that's probably the first part of magic other than dumbledore using the deluminator to, to take out the lights yeah, and yeah. Drive, a drive. Yep. Yeah, and I just really, really love that. They're not going to overwhelm you. It's just, you know, they took their time. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's everything's got to get bigger and bigger as you go. For, in the first book, you've got Vanishing Glass is cool, but by mm. the time the seventh book comes around, there is so much magic happening that it's just... You're just used to she it. She ramped it up perfectly throughout the series. Yep, yep. We move on to Ollivander's um, John Hurt. Um, playing Ollivander very very cool yeah, he's I, not I'm, even in the films that much but John Hurt's such a good actor that you know he um, he pulls off the role perfectly I think um, um, yeah he's just I had a note here about him I think he is one of the ones where he's exactly how I imagined him mm. and that scene is how I imagined it so yeah. watching that one of those scenes where that's the case is so satisfying they nailed it and he actually just says basically the same dialogue that's written in the book. Mm. I think that's why I like it. The yeah. scenes where they just verbatim say what J.K. Rowling wrote, they're my favourite scenes. Yeah, yeah. I wrote down that he who must not be named is a really fantastic way and the way he kind of describes the story is that they're slowly building this antagonist, you know, and the whole 
he who must not be named, I think is a really good way of, you know, building the fear around this person. But also, um, you know, later in the film, we, we later in the films, we actually get a reason as to why you can't say his name because of the curse that's on his name. Oh, they put a jinx on it, but that's nothing to do with why they don't say that in, a, in the first few books. But how do we know that that jinx isn't already on it? It's It's not. They they bring the jinx in in the last book as a he knows where people are. Yeah. if you say his yeah. name, right? Okay, but uh, well, either way, it's still it's, a great it's way. It's all to build about the, the fear. Yeah, it's still a great way to, to build the fear of the character. Platform nine nine and three quarters. Harry is obviously being left by Hagrid at the train station to catch his train with no knowledge of any train system ever, let alone one that doesn't exist, and he has to run for a wall. Thanks, Hagrid. <laughs> Stick to your ticket, Harry. <laughs> you know? I'm a what? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Stick to your ticket. Also, you're going to see a concrete wall. Just run through it, okay? Trust yeah. me. Trust me, okay? So, and <laughs> then, R.I.P. Harry. Yeah. We get introduced to the Weasleys for the first time. Weasels. Um, Julie Waters playing Mrs. Weasley. Mm-hmm. Oh, just everyone wants her to be their mum, you know? Like, please be my mum. <laughs> you know, she's awesome. And it's one thing that I noticed, you know, they're on the train, Ron's sitting with him. You know, I recently had a birthday and I feel old now, but when Harry's just like, well, take the lot, when they say, do you want anything from the cart? And I'm like, man, he's real bad with money. Like, Well, he's what? just received a fortune. I'd be bad with money too. Yeah. I was just like, Hagrid's so irresponsible. Stick to your ticket, Harry. <laughs> you got to run through this concrete wall. And here's all this gold. Don't go spending <laughs> it all at once. <laughs> you're um, rich by the way yeah yeah um rupert grint yep he is so good in the first movie do you reckon they toned him back a bit after the first film well i mean the character grows up so does the actor yeah um so it, it kind of makes sense that he tones back a little bit as as you do when you grow up but in this first movie he is my favorite he's so good I think of, in terms of the acting performances of, you know, the young cast, he's definitely one of the better oh, ones. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. He's fantastic in this. I just kind of found, you know, when I rewatched it, I found him to be quite abrupt. I mean, whether it's just young Ron thing, you know, just like, you know, Harry wakes up in the hospital and he's just like, all right, you, you know, it's just kind yeah. of like, take a chill pill, Ron, okay, yep. you know. They purposefully gave him the full comic relief. Yeah, um, and this all his best lines were in the trailer, all that kind of stuff. They really they relied on Ron, but he that. wasn't, he, and he's not like you know obvious comic relief. You know, you don't look to him for for stuff that's funny. It's just the way Ron was written by J.K. Rowling, and in, in the way that you know he he acts basically. Mm, you know, yeah, which I think is is really really cool. After this, we obviously get our first look at Hogwarts. Was it as amazing as you thought it was? It was a very well made set. Yeah, it's yeah. very good. Yeah. Um, some things were a bit off in the first film, like the stairs. Yeah. They looked a bit cheap with the way they moved. It didn't look very magical at all. It just kind of looks like a mechanical yeah. steer movement. I um, actually made a note in here later on about the CGI doesn't hold up in this film. No. It's really, really bad. Um, very and old film, but start again. Um, I'll talk about it a bit later, but the cave troll. Mm. looks really bad and the and the reason why I feel like I can say that is because the Fellowship of the Ring came out in the same year and they had a cave troll <laughs> and it looked awesome yeah that's true you know that is true yeah so I was a bit you know disappointed by that and in the it, Battle of the Cave Trolls Peter Jackson <laughs> took it out <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and also there were um, some castle shots um, specifically where um Harry's been taught Quidditch for the first time. Oh, yep. Um, it's it's an actual castle, but I don't think we ever see that again. I, I and I kind of don't like the idea of them just using a random castle. Yeah. Um, because in the later films, there's a lot of sets that you recognise. You know, from all the films. You know, mm. because they just reuse the sets. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that would probably be my only things about you know the actual look of Hogwarts itself. Um, um, have we touched on Draco yet? I was just about to say. Perfect. So he 
I think we've had this chat before, but I personally don't like Draco as a character. Um, I don't know much about him in the books, especially in the later books, because I'm not up to that yet. But I kind of see his character as being quite pointless. He serves only a purpose to annoy and enrage Harry, which isn't enough for a character. Um, so I, d- I disagree. I, th- I think he serves another purpose, which is to kind of reinforce that the world isn't split into good wizards and death eaters. Though their family, the Malfoys, were were Death Eaters and they were bad, but they want out, mm. which is an interesting dynamic, and no one else has that in the Harry Potter universe. By the end of the seven books, they are not with Voldemort. They are only there because they fear him, and all they care about in the end is family and mm. keeping Draco safe. And you definitely um, get that, but I also feel like, you know, it takes up until that film for for you to agreed. truly appreciate agreed that. with that he's he's very his ramp up to that point is not that well done mm. by jk or or in the movies um i think he, he was very just annoying and just so i'm the bully guy mm. which which isn't great it's it's not he was pretty one-dimensional too and it kind of i think this maybe flows back to to dudley because we say that he's not much of a character in the movies yeah that you have two bullies if you're going to pick one it's probably malfoy because he's probably got more of a presence than yeah. what dudley does well he's you know racist and all the really bad things that Dudley's just an arsehole. <laughs> yeah, a fat arsehole. Yeah. And we all know plenty of those, Tom. Uh... Moving on. Um, <laughs> to the sorting hat scene. What did you think of that when you first saw it? Love the sorting hat. Yeah. It, it was really well done. They didn't do the song. I love the song in the book. The sorting oh, the hat Harry, song. the Hogwarts song? Yeah, yeah it's fantastic. Yeah. I think he does three songs. There's one in the first book and then a couple in the later books. Um, and they are so good. Yeah, I, if I was a filmmaker, honestly, I would probably cut them too. But I, I, I just like to hope that they gave it a go mm, and yeah. saw what it was like. See a deleted scene of it. Yeah, yeah. When I first saw the Sorting Hat, I loved it. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, and it's probably the most convincing CGI in the whole film, actually. Yeah, you're right. Um, and what um lends to the actual hat itself, I think, is when we see it in later films. And um, I think it's just one film, actually. It's either Order of the Phoenix or The Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. But Harry's in Dumbledore's office, and, and the hat is there, and they have this chat about where he gets placed. Yep. And it's really, really cool. I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's a great scene. And also, I was I was going to ask you, being, being a man about the books, mm-hmm. when the hat is on Harry, and he's like, anything but Slytherin, anything but Slytherin, um, and he says, oh, you could be great, you know. Yeah. Is that him seeing the Voldemort in Harry? Because Harry is technically a Horcrux. So that's what most people, I think, theorize, is that he sees Voldemort's part in Harry, and so therefore Slytherin, Slytherin is, is the could be option. a great place for Harry to become a great wizard. Yeah. But then it touches on the fact that there's a huge difference between Voldemort and Harry, and that Harry doesn't want to be in Slytherin, so yeah. that's taken into account by the Sorting Hat. And it's even, yeah, there might be some similarities in personality between Harry and Voldemort, but Harry doesn't want to be evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, I, I, I just wondered that after seeing it recently, because I never thought about it, because I always just thought when I was a younger kid, I was just like, you have Gryffindor, Good House, Lion, then you had Slytherin, Bad House Snake. Yeah, you know? so it's it's a bit more complicated than that. Yeah, but, well, when you think about it, you know, yeah, like it's just, it's it's great when you actually watch a movie like this now, a, a movie made for children, and you see yeah. more of the adult oh. themes in it, and the more layers. of the layers. Yeah, exactly. Layers, yeah. mate. Yeah, Harry Potter is a great onion. Yeah. Um, the changing staircases. Um, you've already touched on it. I agree. I think it kind of looks like like a mechanical ride yeah. at like movie world or something from the 90s really bad yeah not very magical yeah um but one thing i loved when i was younger and i um got to read the books for the first time and also when i first saw the movies was the moving pictures yeah yeah so good um and ron's you know touches on it but i just it just blows my mind when um harry opens his chocolate frog and you get a card with it and his card was dumbledore and he's like hey he's gone and he's like yeah. well, you can't expect him to hang around all day yeah and i was like oh my god <laughs> like where did they go yeah. how did they get their picture like that when i was so, a kid and i read that 
I thought it meant that it was the actual Dumbledore. Yes, same. And I was, I was thinking, wait, so he's got to appear in every card every so often, but it's, it's more like it's the chocolate frog Dumbledore, mm. I think, and that he's got to go between all the chocolate frog cards, and then later on there's the portrait Dumbledore, yeah. which appears when Dumbledore dies. Oh, Spoiler alert! <laughs> so sad. Yeah, I, I I love that and how the the pictures talk to them and the pictures have a role. Yeah, in, in, huge in, in the role. World. Yeah, especially with the security of the castle. You yep. know, like they often like consult them about that. They're um, you know guards for doors. You know, yep. yeah, it's so so cool, man. I think as a visual person, it was awesome. Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's it's a little bit of a shame that they didn't quite get Dawn French. For the first movie or two or yeah. something. She, she came in in three. Because that lady who they actually had in the first one was like, password. Yeah, You're like, just, oh ugh. God, she, she's really struggling. Give me some Dawn. Yeah, yeah. So moving on, our proper introduction to Snape oh. and um, Alan Rickman. Again, another moulding of a perfect casting and a perfect character. So good. Yeah, coming together. You can't really think of him as anybody else. I mean, you see him in love, actually, and you love him. You're <laughs> like, this is oh, what... He's in plenty of things, but Snape, I, for me, growing up with Harry Potter, is his role. Yeah, yeah. What I really loved about that scene is um, if you actually listen to, to, to what he's talking about, it's it's a lot of really great foreshadowing for later in the films, you know, especially with the Half-Blood Prince, you know, like yeah. he has the special potions book that Harry ends up getting, yep. you know, so it's, it's really cool foreshadowing for that. And also I kind of picked up on something. I don't know if you'll agree with me, but um, one thing that he mentions is about brewing glory. And oh, yeah. I thought that that was a really massive foreshadowing for the Felis Felicis oh, yeah. um, potion that, that gets brewed. Because yeah. that kind of is glory in a bottle, really. If you want it to be, then that's what it is. Ah, I mean, I think she just wrote a cool speech. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and maybe maybe she went back to it and thought this this could be something. But, yeah. but for me, like I was instantly like, foreshadowing. I feel like you might be giving JK a bit too much credit there. But hey, let's, let's roll with it. She's yeah. a genius. JK, you're you know a bigger genius than we thought. And we move on to the first scene where we see um, Quidditch or Broomsticks. Uh-huh. A bit of a cliche wizarding witchy type thing. Yeah, but used in an awesome way where they make it a like a full-on sport yeah but that's what i was gonna say like i it was that well it's cliche but in an awesome way oh, yeah. as you say and i don't think there was a kid in the world that was that at that our age of the time that didn't stand next to a broom and go oh up. hell no <laughs> do you know how many times i tried that and it didn't work damn it yeah um damn it I, real life yeah the only thing i'll say about the the broomsticks and flying on broomsticks and Quidditch. I never thought they got the look of it right. Um, oh, no. It's really bad in the first one. Yeah. But, you know, again, long time ago, CGI was hard. Yeah, it just wasn't as convincing. Um, one thing I found out about subsequently after that was that Harry and everybody else charms their broomsticks to have, like, an invisible seat on it. Yeah. So, uh, I think they come with that, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because cause the only person, if, if you didn't know that, who you thought would have it right is Mad-Eye, because he's literally sitting down on his broom. He's kind of oh, got yeah. pedals, you know? Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's almost like a motorbike. Smart man. Yeah, that's right. And when Harry gets, you know, people find out that he's going to be the youngest seeker in a century, Hermione says to him that it's in your blood. Yeah. And she takes him to a shield. And one thing I noticed on the shield was McGonagall's name. Really? Yeah. Did you not notice Did that? Did not notice that at all. Yeah. So there's James Potter um, right at the bottom. Yeah. And then just above top right is McGonagall. Huh. And in um, asking my Harry Potter encyclopedia, my uh, fiance, that McGonagall, previous to being um, a teacher, was um, a professional Quidditch player. Huh. How wow, cool is that's that? cool. I never knew that. Yeah, neither did I. And so when I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, is that like a relative or is that actually McGonagall? And it's actually McGonagall. It does make me question how she could be on the same team as James Potter because uh, timelines do not sync up there, I'm fairly certain. I think it's uh, what happened was, was that you have James Potter and then McGonagall before that. It was one of those uh, cups where it's just added to. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So... Are you happy with that? No. Well, actually, I've got another problem is that Ooh. J.K. Rowling confirmed that James Potter was a seeker. 
Uh, sorry, wait. Not a seeker. What was he? He was a... Um, wait, okay, I'm getting confused here. What's Harry? A seeker. He's a seeker. What's the ones that throw around the quaffle? They're just attackers. No, chaser. Chaser. She confirmed, I'm pretty sure, that James Potter was a chaser. Oh, right. So the movie was wrong. Right. Well, whether that's like... I don't know if it's a seeker shield. It's just a shield with names on it, all right? No, see James Potter seeker on it. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, right. So you're saying that that yep. part... Oh, okay. Oh, just shit. FYI. Well, maybe it's one of those... Well, maybe it's just one of those unconfirmed things that we didn't know about until later on. Yeah, I think she actually confirmed it after the movie was made, so... Yeah, there we go. Um, it's Leviosa, not Leviosa, um, Emma you Watson. You just said the same thing twice. You will just you just said, it's Leviosa, not Leviosa. That's kind of the point, though, right? No. Whatever. There's two... No, 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 no. Hold up, hold up. <laughs> hold up, hold up, hold up. Do the two different ways now. Leviosa? Leviosa. Yes. Thank right. you. <laughs> All right, Hermione. Jesus. Anyway. No wonder she hasn't got any friends. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of Emma Watson? Uh, she's amazing. Yeah. She's really good as acting as Hermione, mm-hmm. but she's not what Hermione looks like. This was something I didn't wasn't too sure whether to bring up because it's kind of a... A non-point thing about looks, but in the books she is she's kind of written written to be ugly. Yeah, yeah. She's big to be ugly hair, with massive teeth. teeth. They got the hair pretty right in the first one. Yeah, but they... then you notice as Emma Watson grows up, she starts to have not bushy hair and yeah. it becomes even more beautiful. Yeah, which is further and further away from the truth. Well, Emma Watson, I mean, is stunning. Yes. So. Like the like the movie was always going to play off that, you know. Yeah. It's you know, just well, it's, one of it's the film industry here. That in general, people are good looking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you're an actor or an yeah. actress, that's why I've been offered so many roles. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about Quidditch. We already yes. briefly touched on it um, in the scene of Quidditch, but we already talked about they didn't get it right. But and the CGI looks horrible. But 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 I do like the the whole game itself as as a game. I think it's yeah. so cool. I, I um, have I, I have no problem with it. In fact, it's great apart from the snitch. You the don't snitch, like the snitch? No, the snitch is a terrible thing. It would never work in sport. Being a person who likes sports, it would never work. Let's think about the snitch part for a second. Because yep. if, if you get it, you get it 150 points. Yes. And you win the game. It's And the, the game ends. No, you're incorrect. You get 150 points and the game right. ends. I'm sure you do not the, win the game. I'm sure in the movie they... Um, Oliver Wood says, "You get this Potter, we win." Yeah, that is not correct. So, so what's the hundred and fifty points? One hundred and fifty points is when you collect the snitch. The game, two things happen: the game ends. Yeah, and you get one hundred and fifty points. So you could be a hundred and forty points down, get the snitch, and win. Yes, I want to see that game. Well, that yeah, that happened. There's a couple of games in the books where they're so far behind, but Harry catches the snitch and wins it. Cool. But there's also the World Cup final in Book 4 where Ireland are more than 150 points down. Yeah. And then, sorry, no, Ireland are more than 150 points ahead, but then Victor Crumb from Romania catches the snitch with and that loses. Special, yeah, with that special move or something. Yeah, I remember um, that. Yeah, actually. yeah. Well, yeah. He, he does the Wronski feint at some point. That's the, but that's not actually how he catches the snitch, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I remember that being really cool. In but the anyway, book. yeah, it's it, that for me shouldn't be a rule because imagine the World Cup final, right? They all, all, all those people camp there. They they move there. They, they sit on their chairs. It's a big party. Uh, Victor Crumb catches yeah. it after two minutes because he's the best seeker in the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or just imagine, like, in, an, in a real game, like, imagine, like, we're big football fans. Yeah. Imagine just a whole team playing football, but then there's just two other guys yeah. just running around the map, <laughs> like, yeah. randomly chasing this yeah. other ball yeah. that's rolling around the field. It's, it's one of those things that works in the book and movie, but... I can't help but thinking that could from a logistical not spoint, sport point of view, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't make it can't any sense. Possibly happen. Okay, all right. Well, that starts looking real and deep. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, hey, what are we here for? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, also, so let's just focus on that scene. Um, we have at the time um, what the what Hermione, Ron, and Harry think is that Snape is bewitching Harry's um, broomstick. Yes, jinxing it. Yeah. But it's actually Quirrell. So, 
Snape's counter cursing. Yep. But what I didn't understand was that Dumbledore was like a row in front of Snape. Why didn't he turn around and be like, Snape, want shut the fuck up, bro? Like, <laughs> the, what are you okay. doing? You've, you've touched on a point that I have for the whole movies in general, which Ignorance. is... Ignorance? Dumbledore knows everything that's happening in, in the castle, supposedly. Yeah, yeah. But he then other points, he's so inexplicably just Out oblivious it. to stuff. He should have picked up that Quirrell had Voldemort sticking out the back of his head. He, he yeah. can pick up on so much more subtle things. It's one of these things where J.K. Rowling will come out and say he knew all along he just wanted to, to do it for this reason. Yeah. And he'll be like, oh my god, yeah. that's so true. Because yeah. Dumbledore works in that way. He sort of sets things up to happen and well, for, for certain things to move on purpose yes you could say that he's already in the first book he's, he's plotting Voldemort's downfall in the seventh book you know he already uh-huh. knows about Horcruxes he already knows about all the stuff we don't find out about until five six books later and he's yeah. already working on it isn't that amazing like I mean Richard Harris aside if you look at Dumbledore in the first movie we really don't get any sense of just how powerful he is or just how wise he is apart from a few things that he says you know you, he obviously has the power of, of of authority within the film itself but we never get to see you know any glimpse of just how awesome he is until no. you get into the later films which yeah, i think is I think awesome just how much he develops and how much we get to see it's a huge leap in um the fourth and fifth books is when he really becomes like Oh man, not only is he wise and a principle, he's powerful. Yeah, I think that that is one thing I'm looking forward to the most for the um, Fantastic Beasts movie came out, the next one, because we get young Dumbledore. Um, So for me, I'm going to be like, whoa, okay, like how powerful is he? How much does he know? What does he do? You know, really looking forward to that. Dubious, but excited for that one. Yes, obviously. We um, get our first glimpse at the invisibility cloak. Oh yeah, now, big part of the the plot, yeah, for the whole whole thing. Now, is this invisibility cloak? And I'm kind of moving away from the philosopher's stone a bit, but I kind of want a solid answer because I've wondered this for a while. Mm-hmm. Is it the same cloak that's in the Deathly Hallows? Correct. And when they say, and he handed it down to his son, and yes. you see him cover his son, is that James? Uh, no. Because in the Deathly Hallow, um, you know, the animated part. Yes. There's the, and the death came to the guy with the cloak because he couldn't yes. find him. And he gave that, he gave his cloak to his son. Yes. And I wondered, like, who's no. the son? Uh, they were several generations ago. Right. Like several. Several. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Question answered. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, so I, I made a note because, like, still one of the most terrifying scenes to see in a film is when he opens the book in the forbidden section and the face comes out oh, screaming man. the screaming book face yeah yeah god damn that scared me when i was a kid oh my god i remember being at the movies and it's just so loud even yeah. now you know just watching on the tv at home i was just like <laughs> oh <Damn it's laughs> screaming book face yeah i actually it's me i actually looked it up um because I, I actually googled after that scene i paused the movie and i was just like who is the man screaming in the book harry you seriously Potter? googled that yeah i wanted to know like it could be it's like screaming book face man oh is that the name of the book yeah that- it's in the credits. <laughs> screaming book face man, written by screaming man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. All right. Well, now I know. Yep. Um, well, you know. Uh, moving on from that, the mirror of um, Eriset. Yes. Men have wasted away in front of it. Ah, oh, it's such a cool little invention of J.K. Rowling. A yeah. mirror that shows you your deepest, darkest desire. Well, yeah. not darkest, just deepest desire. It can be darkest. Can it be could darkest. be dark, depending on who's looking at it. Yep. We um, get to see Harry's parents for the first time, which I think is really powerful. It's, and it's, yeah. And it's also, you know, when Dumbledore explains it in the way that men have wasted away in front of it because of what they desire. Mm. Harry's desire is so simple and it's, you know, so it's pure. so heartwarming as well. He just so wants innocent. his parents, you yeah. know. He wants family. Yeah, that's right. In the book, he sees more than his parents. What does he, he say? He sees extended family, like full-on grandparents, cousins, aunties, uncles. I wonder if he sees Sirius. No, because Sirius isn't his family. But he's still, well, godfather. No, doesn't count. He doesn't see Sirius. Okay. <laughs> we have a we have move a, on please yeah, we'll put that to bed <laughs> um i have um 
one question about it. It's not really a question I think you can answer. Um, but what would Dumbledore Try see? Try me. Sorry. What would Dumbledore see? Oh, oh, you know what? I think she answered this question. People asked JK that, that question. I think she answered it. I don't know. Uh, off the top of my head. So you can't answer it. Well, I could if it was in the books. Yeah, yeah. But it's not. It'd be interesting to look that up. Maybe yeah. we'll have it on our next podcast. Yeah. Um, Follow up pup. Yeah. And I think it also spawns one of the best lines to come out of the movies. And also it's just so true to life as well. And that it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Oh, JK. Yeah. Like I want my girl. So, so beautiful. Such a great line. She, um, she has a lot of great lines from Dumbledore. In fact, some of the Dumbledore quotes. We'll get into them when we get into the later movies, but... God, they are on point. Yeah, fantastic quotes. It's just life things. Yeah. I also wondered about this. And so this movie is set around the Philosopher's Stone. Mm -hmm. Nicholas Flamel and Dumbledore apparently made the stone. Yes. We find out that Nicholas Flamel through Hermione is over 600 years old. Yes. So he's had the stone. Yes. And has since put it in the vault at Gringotts? Well, so the uh, Philosopher's Stone, and um, it's not a J.K. Rowling invention, I'm pretty sure. Alchemy is the study you do to make the Philosopher's Stone, and it produces the elixir of life. Yeah. So you can use the stone to make some elixir and then use that elixir later. Right. So so it's kind of like it creates separate things for someone to use. Yes. It creates some kind of drink i guess now that was one question or something that i was going to bring up as well because voldemort is obviously wants it and so when i queried about this it was something where someone told me so dumbledore knows voldemort wants it yep removes it from the vaults because he knows that quarrel or voldemort we don't know who actually breaks into gringotts yeah um could get it and then could use it. Yes, so, to come back. Because cause they say in the film that the that the stone is to give everlasting life. Yes. And so for me, with the way Voldemort does now, he's just like a spirit, mm. you know, part of himself, that it wouldn't benefit him at all because he doesn't well, need everlasting life th- at that stage. But th- if th- what you're saying is right, that you can use it to then craft life or use parts of it yeah. to make life again then that would be what he would Yeah, I think for. we can safely assume that Voldemort would have known how to use the stone to become full again. Yeah. The only thing I didn't um, quite know about was that they said Dumbledore and Flamel made it. Flamel was 600 years old. Dumbledore is over 100. Yeah, that doesn't quite make sense. No. Because, um, well, Because to be 600, he must have had the stone. Already had it working. Yeah, and so, so Dumbledore came along and did like version 1.2 yeah he made it look slightly better <laughs> yeah yeah he's like oh no i did it i helped did an upgrade only put my name on the credits what was his upgrade that only someone who was something about wanting the stone could could have it well no that that wasn't anything really to do with the stone that was him using the mirror of erised that in right. a smart way yeah yeah that's right yeah um we get our first look at voldemort in the forbidden forest yes um, cool scene very cool scene. Unicorn blood. I mean, what cooler way to bring in a yeah. mythical, you know, meme like the unicorn and yeah. actually turn it into something useful and cool. JK, that's one of her strengths, is to use um, already established mythical legend things. Centaur as well. Yep, and yeah. bring them into her world in such a unique way. Yeah, I mean, speaking of um, Centaur, we get to see Ferenc. Um, who is um, the centaur that saves Harry in the Forbidden Forest. Correct, and I have a problem. What? He's supposed to be blonde, blue-eyed, beautiful centaur, Mm. and he's just this, like, generic centaur dude in the movie. CGI, man. It's terrible. Yeah, I I know, but I mean, like, it'd be quite hard to, to, like, have that. Like, someone wrote that down for you and said, CGI that, you'd be like... That's impossible. I can do you a generic sensor yeah. <laughs> that looks like a human, yeah. but I can't give you that. Yep. You know, it might be quite hard. Yeah, it's a shame because in the books, Ferenz had a very cool storyline, mm. which gets completely... First of all, they don't make him look like him. And yeah. then his role in the later movies, which is... Uh, later books, which is really cool. And it's 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 kind of around the theme of... Um, mixing of cultures and the centaurs and some of them like humans some of them don't Varenge just kind of wants to be neutral and be 
be integrated into both cultures, but his centaur friends don't like that. And they skip that whole thing out, which they, is a shame. Because they talk about, um, you know, the centaurs having an uprising when Umbridge is um, headmaster yeah. at, at Hogwarts. You know, like, there's all that kind of thing yeah. which is in it. And I don't even think we get to see Ferenz in that no, part of the film. they never bring him back in the movies. Um, and I learnt that he actually becomes a teacher at Hogwarts. Sure does. Which I thought was so cool. Because got- the centaurs kick him out of their herd. Yeah. Because he helps humans. Interesting, yeah. And I heard that his classrooms um, got described to me as that he um, he turns his classroom into a forest and all yeah. the students lie under the trees looking up at the night sky in his Would class. Would that not have made one of the best movie scenes there is? Mm. And they, get, they skipped it. If, I mean, depends on which film you put him into doing that. But from a CGI point of view in the first few films, no. Because... You know, at that stage, CGI wasn't progressed enough to really do that kind of yeah. thing. Not in a magical way, I guess, which would be memorable enough. Maybe that, that Maybe. would that would do justify justify the budget as well for, yeah. for bringing something like that. But I get you know one of those book things that would have been really cool to yeah. see. If there's one thing they need is money. Yes, yeah. <laughs> they definitely don't have enough of that. No, well, six point five billion apparently <laughs> isn't enough. <laughs> so. um I've I've written here, so we're kind of skipping now to the part where they decide to go down the trap door. They're going to pursue Snape, um, which, of course, it isn't Snape, Tom. It's Quirrell. (gasps) I know. Um, It's... I wrote that up until when Harry confronts Quirrell, I don't really find any of that middle part interesting. It's quite different in the book. They change a lot of things. There's one where Hermione has to um, figure out some potions. Yeah, this is basically a a potion riddle, and it's Hermione's time to shine, and and it's really cool in the book. And Because Harry has the broomstick flying to get the key, Ron has the chess game, and Hermione has the potions. Yeah. And um, they're all made by teachers as well. Well, there's also the, the devil's snare, which is the plant. Which mm. in the book, by the way, they I believe they use fire. Um, right. And in the movie, they use a combination of relaxing... And light. And light. So, oh, so the relaxing part's not even a part of the book. Nope. Wow. I don't think so. They also changed the keys. The flying keys don't attack them in the books. Mm. In the movie, he grabs the creep key and all the other keys attack him. Right. Um, which, uh, it seemed just adding extra unnecessary action. Yep. to the movies which movies do i get it but a lot of films are guilty of that i think yeah. the harry potter films are quite guilty just, oh, of, of, of adding that stuff i mean there's there's you've always got to have consequence yeah i know? would have taken a cool scene where hermione works out the potion riddle where it's more intense and kind of, instead of the just oh we got to dodge some keys mm, yeah i feel like the visual appeals to a lot more people yeah. rather than the intellectual thinking about stuff i think it appeals to movie executives a lot more (laughs) yeah yeah all right um interesting um so we get to the point where harry finds out that it's actually quirrell yeah and that quirrell is basically giving voldemort a piggyback yes you know on the back of his head yeah voldemort looks horrible i'm just gonna put that out there straight away yeah and the when i rewatched it again yesterday one thing that really annoyed me was the fact that at the time when this movie was made, the Goblet of Fire book had been released. Ah. So they had an accurate description of what Voldemort looked like. Right. And yet he still had a nose. You know, he didn't really... I mean, the whole nose thing you can look past. Yeah. But, you know, they say about his eyes being quite snake eyes, yeah. you know, like he had just like Are two slits. Are you sure that Goblet of Fire had been released? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, because remember I said it was that three-year difference? Yeah, yeah. right. Um, so so the book was out. So I'm pretty sure they would have had the description. Um, That's a shame. Yeah. Was it a thing where they maybe didn't even know the movies were going to keep being made? They didn't know if they were going to be successful? If the Philosopher's Stone had flopped, yeah. would have. it happened with um, the Northern Knights trilogy. They got made into, a, it was a book, another book that I like. Um, got turned into the Golden Compass movie. Yep. Nicole Kidman, Daniel Craig, flopped. Yeah, yeah. Didn't make any more. So that movie, wow. that book-to-movie franchise is dead. Could have happened with Harry Potter. Mm, wow. Something I had on Voldemort was something really powerful, was that Voldemort, we find out later, always knows when he's being lied to. Yeah. And Harry Potter, and it's great foreshadowing again by JK, is that Harry Potter says, oh, 
I, I don't. I, I'm just seeing myself shaking hands with Dumbledore mm. in the mirror of Erised. Yeah. And then Harry, uh, Dumbledore, fuck. Voldemort just says lies, you know, yeah. straight away. He knows. And that becomes such a big part of the later on movies. And I, I imagine it's something to do with the Horcrux side of each other, that a part of it is, is in each other. Yeah, that could amplify Voldemort's powers of, of knowing when people lie to him, mm. particularly with Harry. Yeah, wow, that's really cool. I didn't actually know that. Mm. Um, so that whole scene plays out. I I was a little confused when I watched this last night because Voldemort flies through Harry. Um, and he just falls to the ground like, ah! <laughs> and, you know... Is holding the stone. Yeah. And I'm like, well, did he just die and he's got the stone so he stays alive? Um, mm, why isn't Voldemort no. just grabbing the stone? Well, Voldemort... Okay. So, you've asked a couple of questions here. Yeah. First one was, did Harry Potter stay alive because of the... Stone. Stone. No. Cool. He, he did not die. Okay. Voldemort couldn't kill him. Yeah. Voldemort... Without the help of something physical. Yes. Voldemort needs to inhabit something physical. Right. Um, to be able to control it. So, hmm. so does he inhabit a little baby creature for in the later films when we see him when he's like a little baby creature? Yeah, yeah that's what's happening. What? He also does it to snakes and animals. He he, they don't live long once he's inhabiting them. But so um, yeah, he he's does literally that. a little baby in yeah. the goblet of fire. So did he find a little naked teenager and just inhabited I them? I don't know about that. I think that was created by Wormtail. It was a, like a little has, baby. Has manifested him in yeah, a way. Okay. Yeah. yeah, because I was just... I now you're saying he, that, I'm like, what well, the fuck? Well, maybe he did. They don't ever say that. Yeah. But it would not be a Voldemort thing to do. I think he mentions that Wormtail or somebody created a temporary body for him, which is that disgusting little baby thing. Yeah, and we sat in the final yeah. film. Yeah, far out there. Yeah. Okay. Um, there was another point was um, that is very different in the books. In the books, Harry's skin touching Quirrell doesn't make Quirrell crumble into dust like he does in the movie. It yeah. makes him blister and burn, mm, um, which I Harry takes advantage this. of. And he grabs him, but the pain of doing so is so bad for Quirrell and Harry that Harry passes out. Yeah. And then we don't have anything about Voldemort flying away. Flying away. We we assume he does fly away in some sort of manner, but mm. we don't know how. Mm. Um, they have to physically show that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's a movie instead of a book. So. Yeah. Um, so after that, I mean, I don't really have any more notes for after that. I mean... Well, it's just the scene with Dumbledore is the only kind of um, significant scene after that. Where yeah. Dumbledore explains... Um, a little bit, but and I I believe Harry love. asks, yeah, the love thing obviously mm-hmm. is a huge part of the yeah. J.K.'s theme. Love is powerful, more powerful than anything. Mm. And I believe Harry asks, why did Voldemort attack me as a baby? In the book, he asks that, mm. and Dumbledore says, I'm. It's not the time, right time to tell you now, mm. and that's hugely significant towards the later uh, later part of the series mm. where we find out all about the prophecy. Yeah. Um, but I can't... I, I think they might have got skipped in the movie. It did. Yeah. I think it is, did. I think that was probably too much. Yeah. It's a shame because it's... I'm sure it did. I mean, we'll find out. We're re-watching all the films for this. Yeah. So... Mm. Um, and then there's a couple of other scenes of Harry going... Leaving Hogwarts. Um, I'm not really going home. Yeah. Yeah, you know. I would like to give it a rating, the NZGG ooh. official podcast ooh, rating. Oh, okay. I'm um, kind of putting you on the spot. I'm going to I'm gonna listen to yours. Um, I, I haven't even thought of a rating. I'm just, uh. I'm just thinking now, out of 10, if I had to give this out of 10, in terms of a Origins film as such, the very first film, my love of Harry Potter, in terms of the books at the time. I'm I've thinking, got a number. I'm thinking it's a kid. I'm thinking I'm going to give it 8 out of 10. Okay, that's exactly the same as what I was going to give it. So 8 out of 10, nice. That is officially the NZGG rating. Yep, that goes up on a lot of websites. Yeah, Metacritic, yeah, Metacritic. Well, yep. People um, have been waiting for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now a lot of people are going to go I out and I assume it. it'll be on the front page of the news. <laughs> yeah. No. yeah the Stone gets eight from NZGG. Yeah, almost certainly. Okay, well, this has been our part one. We're going to do all of the films. Yeah, um, we may combine the Deathly Hallows um, yeah. into, into one film. Um, we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. Again, thanks to everyone who's listened so far. We 
really appreciate it you guys are fantastic um don't forget to um subscribe and give us a rating if you like what we talk about yeah um you can follow us on twitter at nzgg podcast or if you want to flick us an email with any harry potter facts you think we might not know or your thoughts on the show or just any questions you have for tom and i or anything you think we missed that is deserved to be talked about from yes. the philosopher's stone yeah 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 and we'll talk about it on our next one um you can email us at nzgg podcast at gmail.com i'd nice. love to hear from you thanks so much guys my name is regan my name is tom see you later Bye.